magic comes from pain. Trying to tell you, you are not alone here. You love magic. Is it in your soul? Want me to come to Philly with you? Send you an epic quest. It's just a promise, motherfucker. Welcome, Fit. Hello. Hi. <laughs> uh, today we're going to talk together about minority, and I was wondering if you had a story for us. Yes. Okay. So, um, I am a like black bisexual trans dude, and I live in Texas, so I know a little I'm bit sorry. about the minority. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no, it's literally like I've lived through it and it's fine and we have like we love to have a lot of fun. But um, okay. <laughs> yeah, so um I would say that like my like one of my like favorite stories, I guess, is that um when I was working I work in like the local theaters around my area and when I was working for our production of Newsies, one of uh, which was, was like it was like a special cast, so, like all of the newsies were all girls. But one of them came to come talk to me and like, you know, like after we were done, like we're finishing up the run and everything, she came out to come talk to me and he disclosed to me that he was actually trying to um, come out and hadn't found anyone who he like knew who was trans. Mm-hmm. And so he was like really excited about having like this opportunity to kind of like talk to someone who might get it. And so, I don't know, I feel like, um, that's been a lot of what I kind of do is like help, like, I don't know. I feel like um, it's like a big part of like helping people see that like, they're like, it's okay. Like, you know, like no matter how bad yeah. things seem, like no matter like what kind of minority in, like what kind of box you're in, like it's still okay. So that's my little, my little spiel about that. I, I really like how you came about it. Cause like we want on it, the moment we think about minority, we only have bad stories and mm-hmm. the idea that you arrive with this positive way of having knowing that you're a minority and turning it for the better is just so inspiring <laughs> yeah i just like really it's like important to me i guess that like people know mm-hmm. that like because like i knew that like when i was growing up i really wanted like maybe just someone to talk to or like even someone to like see on like television or something yeah. you know like, or, like, a presidential candidate, you know? Like, people are super excited when we have, like, a black president and stuff like that, so. Mm-hmm. And it's just, like, simple, like, easy representation stuff, I guess. Uh, and uh, since you listen to the show, you know that my husband is transgender, and I was the first person that brought that term to his entourage, because that's not something that he talked about in his family. I didn't know it was a term even. So for me, like the, the fact that minority get the worse more and more mm-hmm. and that kids are aware of it. Yes. It's just. There's so much like um, information now that like, is like, it's like becoming more and more accessible. And mm-hmm. so it's like, it's like way easier to like, kind of like look through and perhaps like kids, especially to like assess and like be able to relate to like things that maybe like their families directly their families wouldn't talk about or anything like that so i like definitely get that yeah my my uh, my parents uh, when my husband came out my parents they didn't know what transgender meant and kathleen jenner just came out 
So I was like, it's like catching Link Jenner, yes. like the reverse. Yes. And we're like, oh, okay. And they, they had this touchstone of, okay, I know what it is now. Yes, yes. They just pull a picture. Yes, absolutely. That's what we're talking about. <laughs> but the, 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 the fact that, like, maybe in in your situation, you will have people saying, like, oh, I have this friend that is like that. It's, mm-hmm. it's kind of, like, you don't need Kathleen Jenner. Yes, now you're like, yeah, right. You don't need, you don't need Kathleen Jenner right now. Now, over the <laughs> it will be, like, um, oh, I saw this TV show on Netflix or something. It's like, it looked at someone who looked like he was in it, you know, like, just, like, easy, easy minority, like, things that you, like, actually, like, show representation. Like, it's coming into media more, and, like, it's pretty exciting. I think the only show I've seen transgender character like discovering who they are and transitioning mm-hmm. being really well done it was in the the adventure of Sabrina. Oh, the, the chilling adventures of the yes. On Netflix. Yes, uh, with Theo that just like discovered that realized that he's a is a transgender man and just said to his friend like, "Oh, by the way, now it's Theo," and the reaction was like. Okay. Yeah. And that's how you put representation. Yes. That's what I mean. Like, it's so much easier to be able to like pull up a scene from a show and be like, "Here's how you should address people." You know, like I've seen so exactly. many shows where like, especially if they were like a little bit older, where like they weren't really like they like had the spirit, but like they didn't like necessarily portray it like as kindly or as correctly as possible. But like, you know, like they could tell they were like, trying to do something. You know, even having scenes like that so people have like a basic understanding of how some mm-hmm. of the stuff like is supposed to work or like how like some um people like do think you know yeah, yeah or like seeing like, like yes the, the dad still struggle mm-hmm. about like i mean peel but he's trying and yeah. he's gonna buy him a suit you know i cried at <laughs> yeah i love that like it's it's, it's it is um it's always going to be kind of like a like a climb like okay here's like the next mm-hmm. level of stuff that we can do you know like yeah. disney has talked about having a gay character every year for the past like six years but has not had a gay character <laughs> you know it's like well, and, uh, love simon got uh, pulled out of uh, disney plus yes and that oh my gosh and everyone like it's gonna be on hulu or something but it's like y'all yeah. really dropped the ball on that one <laughs> Yeah, they're not as progressive as they want us to think. Right, right. All right. So, uh, before we can we start to talk about <laughs> uh, the episode, do you uh, want to start with a thirty second recap, or do you want me to start? I I will try to start. <laughs> okay. Okay. You said- so I'm gonna start. Ready. Okay, so Julia looks really cute in the first scene. Um, so like Alice and all of them are trying to work together and figure out like how to work with the library, but also like not really trust the library. Alice does some really shady shit with Zelda for a second, and no one's really about it. Elliot pitches a fake election with Margot's idea, and she ends up becoming High King, which is probably the best part in like this entire episode. Um, meanwhile, the Fairy Queen is kind of just like a bad bitch as she has been the whole season. Um, she has a yeah, that's about is that it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was a really good like summary, honestly. <laughs> I did have to point out how cute Julia looks in the first scene though. It's oh, really yes. important. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna try. Yes, let's do it. So uh 
Josh is doing this weird uh, previously on us and it's weird. And then uh, Alice is working with the, the library to si siphon all the, the magic. And there's Philarian Tackle Tuesdays. And Fen is like, you're stuck with me, Elliot. And Elliot was like, okay, I'm going to make the best of it. And then uh, they find Reynard. And Reynard is a pizza delivery. And Julia is like, fuck you, bitch. I'm better than you. And she's safe before us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. No, that's it. <laughs> Honestly, I remember taking a note down. I was like, I'm so sick of seeing Reynard's face. <laughs> oh my god. Because at that point in the scene, like, why do why does Julie have to talk to him every single time? You know, like I just don't want to see it. Yeah. But that's that's the power of this actor is like he's so good. And the fact that he didn't know that he would have to play this card, he thought he was just playing Richard. Mm -hmm. It's just freaking amazing because oh, yeah. he's so good as reynard right like that range is incredible especially because especially because he was just supposed to play richard and then having this like yep. complete character twist it's like gruesome gruelly oh he did he's did such a good job with it every single and like and like you believe like that trickster god energy that he puts out it's like really good <laughs> yeah and like the first time uh, when we did uh, season two with Seth and i it was really weird to watch richard and then thinking if the, it's uh, Reynard, it's not, no, it's Richard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you're like, oh, like, you, like, you're like, oh, this is all, like, nasty and has a motive. Like, no, it's literally just a different person. Like, <laughs> I forgot, like, I do, I do forget. <laughs> um, so the, uh, the episode starts with um, Judge doing a bad, uh, a bad uh, oh summary God. of the... <laughs> Of the uh, uh, recap for Penny Twenty Three. Yes, previously <laughs> on us. Oh my gosh, the like murder hookup chart. Hookup chart. <laughs> I'm sure that's an insider for like the writers. Mm -hmm. I'm sure they had one in the in their stuff. Or oh, something. had to be, had to be, had to be. He kept. Uh, <laughs> that is a that that is a, that is a lot for an opener. It was a very heavy opener, <laughs> especially. But the especially. Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> Yeah, um there's like because they have like the funny like goof thing or whatever and then like the murder hookup chart which i'm absolutely sure is like an inside joke 100 percent. but like then there's like sharp take of katie running up to penny 23 thinking it's penny 40 Oof. Mm -hmm. Oof. <laughs> but that's the thing like it started being goofy and we know how josh is good at being goofy but also like it's not being long that he's just back in the quest. He, he got back in the quest at, at the episode 10, technically. Mm -hmm. And then has his adventure with Julia and now that. So basically, he, he says what he, he knows. Yeah. Like, he's, he, yes, he's being goofy, <laughs> but I'm sure there's a lot of things in the quest that he doesn't know. And it made me realize that Penny 23, speaking of minority, like, he's an outsider, even oh, if he yes. has Penny's face. It made me realize that, like, uh, this guy is will always be the guy outside of the crew. Yeah. And like you said, like uh, just uh, seeing uh, him seeing Penny Forty, um, that bang with Alice is like interesting. Like, I wonder what Penny and Alice relationship was in timeline 23 right because he doesn't seem like it's not like he's like adverse to it and plus like in the episode 23 where he like witnessed like everything go down and, like her death and everything like 
he see like I don't know like it does spark like a lot of questions because he definitely had a relationship with these same people in timeline forty in his timeline, but it's all completely one hundred percent different. You know, so I can't imagine mm-hmm. how jarring that must be to like recognize these people as like people you're supposed to have like things in common with and realize like you have nothing in common with them like at all like they're even your experiences that you like would should be considered shared aren't shared yeah but that's the thing even even uh uh, just after they meet with uh, um julia and quentin and uh like someone said as a new citizen of timeline 40 you should want to help mm-hmm. something like yeah, that yeah 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 realize pennies are war refugee oh yeah yeah definitely and they like definitely and recruit s- him just off the bat and s- yeah but like seeing him as a, a as a refugee like just reframe everything he does since uh, starting now as this guy that like we knew he had trauma and he's but like there's a difference between moving on from the trauma and being a refugee. Mm-hmm. And I think he didn't took time to heal. At all. That. Yeah. And you can really tell, especially as like the episode, like pro- tries to like progress, like with him and like the stuff that he like tries to do, even within the episode, like any suggestion that they have for him, he jumps on it without any question because he like, he, I feel like he's kind of like looking for like some in, to like be helpful to you know like i don't know if that's like a sort of like subconscious effort thing or maybe it's just because like he Mm -hmm. has that like previous attachment to like julia and like wanting to help her because i think julia is the one who says that line about like you should want to help because you're in the welcome like you're a new citizen of the timeline or whatever so i think like because she said that it kind of pitches that idea in his head that this is like his way to get in and it doesn't matter about the stuff that happens to him before even though he does we don't get to see him take the time to process any of it you know yeah and um and then uh we're like benny basically gonna go um spy on alice and and we learn about the siphon yes Siphon? How do you say that in English? Siphon? Siphon? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I just noticed that, like, they kept saying it, and I had to Google it and everything. I was like, um, excuse me, I had to turn my subtitles on. Like, it's weird. So it's Siphon, and that whole scene is so shady. Like, yeah, like, the library came to Alice, um... Or intent, and like she gave her the the siphon and say, or intended source has not fulfilled the end of their bargain. Was she talking about the McAllister? I think so. I really do think so. Which is, again, horrific. Like, uh-huh. it's, oh, it's so, yeah, I genuinely think, because they talk, like, they, and Alice knows that that's the, the, like, I'm sure Alice knows that, or Alice could put that together, that that's who Zelda is referring to without actually having to refer to, you know, mm-hmm. that that's um, what fell through, because that's what, like, what recently has been happening with them. And, um she tries to go through with it anyway which is like just really shady the whole scene is like really gross yeah and even uh, like alice will call us like that might kill julia and um zelda is like oh like uh, you, you have to do sacrifice for the greater good and i like at first i got like caught out of surprise that she was so ready to kill julia but she did let penny die yeah. penny 40 yeah. die knowing there was a cure yeah yeah 
I I have in my notes here, I wrote, um, especially during this scene, I said, do organizations in charge always snake around the people who depend on them? Like, mm-hmm. because, like, they, like, the library knows that people do need magic. Like, at this point, they need magic. Yeah. We've seen Julia the past two seasons. People need magic, you know? So their idea of having, like, this siphon that kind of, like, controls, like, the influx and who gets to, like, use magic even is so incredibly restrictive that it's dangerous and they know yeah like it's crazy no i I wrote the same thing i wrote that the siphon is a weapon of mass control Mm -hmm. yes and i think that's how the library uh want to control magic because they don't trust hedges and in this world hedges are, are the minority the Big majority, but the silent mm-hmm. minority. Yes, that that's all too common. <laughs> like, you're the majority, but don't worry, you're still a minority. Like, yeah. And I think that's a theme a lot in this episode. Mm-hmm. But um, I I think that's the that's the beginning that we understand that oh, there's more to the library than just books. Yes. And it makes me. I I still have this question about Zelda because. Zelda was acting in good faith, believing that it was for the mm-hmm. best. And we know that she was following Emmett's order. And Emmett was kind of her mentor and the person that saved her life. So she's never going to question mm-hmm. him. If she was following order, is she a villain? I, I'm always on the fence about the... I, the idea of Zelda being a villain because I do it's very clear to see where she's hurt people and when she's hurt people and they don't they do not shy away mm-hmm. from that idea that like she the library has been hurtful Zelda has been hurtful but I don't know if she's a villain she's not like a protagonist she's not like a good like a good guy or anything I feel like mm-hmm. if anything she is a definite accomplice. I think she's like a witness and an accomplice. But I, I go back, I always go back to World War Two because, and, <laughs> and um, during, during the Nuremberg uh, uh, trial mm-hmm. where they trial uh, like the people that did the, the contrast, concentration, yeah. Yeah, concentration camp, my God, this is a hard <laughs> word. Um, a lot of, of them were saying, uh, oh, I did it because it was the orders. Right. Like, I, I just and but that doesn't mean that what you did was right. right. If you're complicit in it, I think I think that Zelda is guilty. I think that the stuff and I think that there should be a moment where she does have to like really answer for exactly the extent of the stuff that she was a part of. You know, because like mm-hmm. I don't like I don't I, I we haven't even gotten really to like that point in like the story where they kind of try to like really show that up and pin that on her because it, it has always been like oh well she was following so and so orders or like oh well she was working with Alice so like it's kind of her fault too and stuff but like like no like they they do have to have a moment where they talk about exactly how Zelda's personal impacts have been even on just like the whole like the whole magic community you know like anyone who depends on magic zelda has hurt personally so i guess you know what damn maybe she is a villain like <laughs> well i like what you said about being a, com- a complicit mm-hmm. 
Because I think that's where she's more. She's in that raison of she, ne- she never intended to hurt that much. And I think if she learned what Emmett wanted to do, she would have yes. not gone with it. And she has a lot um, of regret about it. And yes. it's super evident. Like, it's super evident that she is not, like on board with anything especially what emma was saying like regardless of her being of him being like her mentor she like just morally cannot stand with him once she like figures out what's going on but all that stuff leading up to it that was also equally shady just because she didn't have like the concrete knowledge she still went along with it you know so there is in that like super weird gray zone yeah, and I think that she's fascinating for that. But she's also a master manipulator oh, yeah. because she is fully aware. She's fully aware that Alice is afraid of magic right now, and she's just saying, "Hey, by the way, there's an entity that's going to control it, and you won't have to worry about it anymore." Of course, Alice's going to help. Yeah, yeah, and Alice's struggle with magic is so personal to her that even when she discusses it with like Quentin or Julia or anyone else, like she, it is like, she doesn't see how shady this looks. And even if she did, she probably doesn't care just because in her head, if there's something that can control magic, maybe all the terrible stuff that's already happened won't ever happen again. You know, she ties like a lot of like guilt to magic. Yeah, and that's what's interesting about Alice because her lies are not about what she's saying, but it's about what she's mm-hmm. not saying. Always hidden information. And, like, I feel like in real life, too, you, like, meet, like, a lot of people and even, like, organizations and, like, stuff like that. And they're, like, it's, it's not the information that you're getting. It's what you're not getting, you know? So, like, and that's what's, like, always kind of mm-hmm. scary, I guess, is that, like, you're, like... There, you won't know that you're in the dark about something. Like the quest, the other questers don't know that they're in the dark about this thing until Penny t- goes and tells them. You know, like they would never have any reason. Yeah, like to like question her because yeah, they that. would completely believe it. And but you know what? Actually, like little props mm-hmm. to Q, real like Q having that like little idea to have um, Penny follow Alice to the session in the library, like. Is super mm-hmm. smart. Like losing Penny made Quentin understand his usefulness, and I hate saying it like that. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. He definitely. <laughs> I literally one hundred percent agree with that because he realizes, oh, I have to get like a backbone for real this time, you know. And so, like when he says mm-hmm. stuff, especially this season's so good. When he says stuff in this season, mm-hmm. you it is it is always with it is with purpose now you know because like in the first mm-hmm. two seasons the first, the first season especially he's kind of like skirting around stuff and is like he's still like really like anxious and doesn't necessarily trust himself to do stuff like correctly and the second season it's like a little bit better but in the third season once all this stuff happens and you're right like once i think losing penny and not having because penny is the backbone you know like it, penny you can't tell Penny to do anything and like mm-hmm. he doesn't want to do it <laughs> but oh um, I think, like, losing that, like, that physical loss kind of, like, it cemented that need in him to be, like, okay, well, we have to do this. Like, this has to work now. And I think, I, I think also Quentin in the Mosaic grew up mm-hmm. a lot. And what the, the, the few memories he got back, uh, brought in a maturity and a, like, a clearness of 
what is bigger at stake be before, because before it was always, okay, what's the next problem? But now is something is shady. If we investigate now, we might have Yes, yes, thinking ahead. Absolutely. He's finally, they're f yes. so at least one of them is learning how to do it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> And uh, uh, what's interesting after that is uh, Katie and Penny, uh, 23, will meet and talk. Yeah. And, uh, and like, one of them say, oh, you don't hope, like, you don't, you don't owe me mm -hmm. anything. But, oh, it's, I think it's yeah, 23. Yeah, you don't owe me anything. He wants to talk about um, uh, Penny 40, uh, like, his relationship with the crew. And it's, like, how yeah. the dynamic is different between Penny 40 and Katie and Penny 23 and his Julia and if like all of that like stuff and again that's like again with Penny being a refugee be being an outsider he has yeah. no there's no context for him he's completely thrown in with these people who look like the people he went to school with but have this it's completely different he's like out alone in the water it's insane but that conversation with Katie and is I, so scary I, yeah and I think it's beautiful that he say like, look, I don't know what's mm -hmm. happening right now. Like even after Josh gave him the the, the recap, he still don't doesn't understand shit. And the fact that he asked her to give like a real re recap, and we know Katie enough to say that to know that it's gonna be accurate <laughs> more than <Right>. Josh. Um, <laughs> but I think it's it's kind of an olive branch of like, look, I know I have this face. I, I had no clue what's happening and you neither. Can we just try to figure out together and have the same information? And at this moment, like I think Katie's still hoping that Penny 40 mm -hmm. is somewhere. So she's gonna help Penny 23 in the hope of getting Penny 40. Yeah, like she definitely has that tie and connection to him, even though like she understands that that's not him and it can't be him. But I think Mm -hmm. just because of how familiar he might like look i'm not entirely sure maybe like it's like the same energy or something that like she like but she like, i feel like she's like is like scared of him almost because like she doesn't we don't see them like in the same room much even after this conversation unless everybody else is there i, I yeah i think just because it, it yeah. hurts like, I'm sorry, but I cannot see my ex. Yeah. Especially, you know, an ex <laughs> that is supposed to be, like, dead. Like, like I definitely... Yeah, exactly. Like, I can't imagine. And, and he promised you to be back, and he never did. Ouch. But, like, I like that for, from the beginning, Penny 23 was like, look, I'm not going to pretend that I'm Penny 40. Like, that's not what, what it is. And I was scared that they were going to go that way and they didn't and i'm so yes. happy about that yeah and it's like, um if if we oh no, no i was just saying it's like kind of cool for his actor too because he gets to play with that character in a way that most other characters don't get to be played yeah I, I, like from going to season five right now at the moment of recording uh episode 11 will air tomorrow mm -hmm. 5 11 and uh, but we saw we see Penny twenty three act and going back to Penny forty, Arjun is a like is a god because he's so good. It's the same character, but there are subtlety in it. Like you can like the you, yeah. the fact that you can tell the difference is 
astounding. Yeah. Because it's literally, it's it, Kenny, but like, you know, <laughs> it's done really well. It's Kenny, but it's, it's not. super well, <laughs> yeah. Um, if we continue in the plot on Earth, then uh, Julia is starting to hear prayers yes. more and more. And she hears uh, Fog's prayer. And she goes see him and heal his eyes. Mm-hmm. eyes and she say, uh, uh, why giving me this uh, this power if it's not to do good? Yeah. Something like that. And that's the, that's the beginning of Goddess Julia. Which is fantastic. <laughs> But I also like the idea of a drunk fog just praying. Yeah. I, It uh, breaks my heart. I, everything about Dean Fogg is fantastic like this is is so masterfully like the way that he's handled is like like especially as he gets to do more and more like plot wise it's just so interesting and him this concept of him sitting and praying and then like when julia does come he immediately puts up a wall which um i think is like really interesting but i also like get where he's coming from because he's supposed to be like you know like a mentor he didn't even teach julia you know but he's supposed to be like this mentor but he feels he always feels like this sense of like being lost i get like from him mm-hmm. and so and like that poor guy remembers 23 uh, 40 time of them dying like oh to remember oh. i'm not I, Like, we, 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 we joke about, oh, uh-huh, fuck is uh, drunk, blah, blah, blah. This guy is broken in mm-hmm. so many ways because of that. Like, those, those like are children we, to him, you know? Like, yeah. children, and sometimes he's responsible for them. Sometimes he's the one who hurts them. Like, sometimes it's, like, completely out of his control. Sometimes it's, like, this weird entity that comes through a mirror. You know, it's insane, and he just has to watch it every single time and try to do better mm-hmm. the next timeline and i i would love to see a dean fog and like the first timeline you know like to see him like excited about break bills and excited about the kids we kind everything. of we we kind of see him in season five uh when they're they see fog as you see that he's still a teacher And he has hair oh my and a gosh, mustache. I haven't seen that one yet. He has hair and a mustache. <laughs> yes, they're going back I in time. Uh, and you're gonna see what kind of who Fog was before being yeah. broken by everything. And I it, it just reinforced the idea that like Julia couldn't do everything, couldn't mm-hmm. cure that trauma, but the fact that she could give him that yeah. was uh It's a first. It's a bit ableist because, like, a lot of people liked that Fog was yeah. blind because of the representation but that also, way. Yes, but also I like the fact that she has god power, right? Because <laughs> usually it's like oh magic, blah blah blah, but this time it's like no magic couldn't cure it, and the only person that could was God. And the fact that Julia, who doesn't know Fog, like you said, still. Take that moment to say, like, oh, I heard you, your pain, mm-hmm. and I feel it. I can heal you, but here, like a, a respite, 
I really yeah, like it. I enjoyed it. It's, it's again more like what I was um, talking about earlier. It's like the little things you can do to people with people just by being there. You know, like Julia, like even even if she hadn't have healed his eyes, I'm sure that he would have felt better having her have been there and like talk to him and like try to work with yeah. him than him and being there by himself. Yeah, and like listen and not just dismiss it as a yes. wrong person. Like take him seriously. Oh my gosh. Lot. Like it's <laughs> like just as for fog. Uh, for fog. Honestly, like and like Julia's really good about that actually, especially in yeah. this season. Like she she's starting to have like these discussions, especially because everything's so up in the air right now with her magic abilities. That like she has these discussions and she listens to people's concerns. She listens to Q, she listens to Fog, and like she like really like tunes in with trying to be like an instrument and like trying to like have like searching for this purpose and continuing to do so in like a way better light than what she was doing earlier. It it you you just made me realize that Julia is kind of the opposite of Alice. Alice is so afraid of magic. Meanwhile, Julia is like embracing. Yes, I agree with that. Yeah. Uh, but to a point where the she don't understand her power yet, because the moment Josh think about her, she arrived the <laughs> jacket and she's like, "Hi, I don't know what happened here." And they were like, "What?" <laughs> I know mean, that was so funny. <laughs> yeah, I know. she's like, "Well, I'm here." You know, there's so and like, and like I love that idea of them being like opposite of each other because then you like you, you really do start to realize that there's like a lot of like just their ideologies ideologies that are completely different, you know, and um like like just like the simple understanding and trust of magic, like Alice, like Hume's right, Alice is probably the best at magic, you know, but she is mortified of it because she knows so much about it, you know. And now Julia's in basically like this ignorant sort of state because she has no idea exactly what she can do. She has no idea what the range of her power is. It's supposed to be still growing, which is wild, you know? So like if she's already, you know, hearing prayers and stuff, like at this point in time, there's there's where are you supposed to go, you know? So she's just trying to figure Mm -hmm. out how to hone in and do something good and i think that alice is also trying to do that in like her own thought process like to her the siphon Mm -hmm. is something good it's something that could regulate and control and like manage all of the madness that she knows to be magic and so they're both but it's 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 so so scary it's interesting it's interesting too because uh alice as an infant had all this power and she did bad with it and Julia has all this power and doing good with it. And the more I see, the more there's a parallel in them of like, it's a bit like Harry and Drago in Harry Potter. Yeah. <laughs> of like, look at the two yes, sides like, of the it's, it's like the two sides. Yes, absolutely. It's like the two sides of the same coin. Like literally it could have gone either way. Because we saw, like, we've seen Julia mm. do, like, some dark stuff, and we've seen Alice do, like, some pretty uplifting stuff. But, like, just, like, watching this kind of racket at the same time, especially because, like, it's all supposed to end up at the same place. You know, like, they all, like, the whole goal does revolve, either side revolves around turning magic back on. So, like, they are mm-hmm. kind of in, like, 
this it's not even it's not a race but it's like a comparison with each other and i don't even know like i don't think that they would realize it but that's i never thought of them being like foils before <laughs> me neither and no my right. mind is exploding uh. <laughs> that makes that one scene of clinton like having that dream about them like so much weirder <laughs> <laughs> me uh, um and what's beautiful after that is she's gonna go and heal oh that scene is amazing it's one of my favorite scenes of yes. the show to be honest and um let's let's if we roll back this forest was the last of this kind of as for sentient tree and she mm. killed them when she didn't have a soul and then she brought it back with her power and it brought me the idea of uh, she, like she was bestowed power so she she helped lift up a minority especially yeah and i think like i don't know there's something there about like her, her two big action as of now is healing fog's eyes we who is a black man mm -hmm. without magic and without his vision right now and uh, bringing back a minority yeah. that was gone. And I, I think as a white woman, it, it is powerful. And I think that's because she was a minority. She was ahead. So she know what it is to be on the outskirt. So now that she has all this power, she's like, I won't help the, the, the people that needs it. That like that the McAllister mm -hmm. of this world. I'm gonna go help those who actually yes. need it like i think that she once she applies herself she is like especially in like the tree is the streets of so powerful to me because she was she was responsible for that damage and sought mm -hmm. to fix it and like had the power and the will and the drive to fix like all the like, cause they, they that she had that she had done that to them. Like the reason that they were, they had already kind of been like an outsider in like the Florian um space or whatever. But the all mm -hmm. of that, the damage and turmoil that she had caused, she like went out to like right it, and she did. So that was it was really effective. <laughs> like, and that's it's just like lifting them up, even if like. Um, even if like you have been like have been hurt like before or anything like she does like seek to like lift them up which I think is really it is really powerful that's a wonderful thing and it's gonna be like one of the last episodes where we're gonna see her with magic like god power but the fact that they're blooming and that's what she does with that little time like I wish we would have had a whole oh yes I really yeah just thinking about what she could have done, like the good she could have yeah. done is so much. And I, I, but I do think that our kindness comes from a place of her not having it before. Uh, like the difference between, uh, like the, the privilege difference. Uh, we, we know, um, talk a lot in U.S. politics about Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, who is this uh, left-wing activist who is kind of like in your face towards like the bigotry of, of yeah. capitalism. But that's because 
before she had this job, she waited table as a minimum salary. So she know what it is right. to struggle. <laughs> yeah, no, like definitely that, that like um, getting a perspective, I think is a really big key in understanding like, even just like the general theme of a minority is like changing that perspective because you do like they're like they're like she's always going to be coming from a place where she she had done those things but here's what she can do now you know and so like and like like if you're born into a certain type of privilege okay here's what you did but here's what you can do now you know and i think that there's like stuff that you can learn from that sort of system yeah and uh if we go back to alice like the uh, comparison with alice right now like just after this this whole thing she's arguing with quentin about this uh, this the siphon and she's like yeah but i, I, I like we the magician shouldn't have it and we think uh, but magician are a minority on earth and sometimes we forget <laughs> that in the show because always is magician but yeah, technically no. yeah. <laughs> they're a minority and and uh but Quentin saying, yeah, but taking away the choice isn't the answer. And I think that's the, the that's the difference between Julia and Alice is Alice is all or nothing. And there's Julia is like, it's not all or nothing. Yes. There's gray zone and I'm going to Yes, a hundred percent. She does like Julia understands that there's there's no such thing as black and white, you know, but Alice can only think in black and white. It's either yeah am I a good person or am I not, you know? So it's like, are we in this or are we not? And you're right. I, I don't, I forgot that the magicians were highly a minority too. There's not supposed to be like a lot of them, but. Um... Right. And I just, I like, I remember that yesterday and I started to laugh while watching the episode of like, oh yeah, there's not a lot of, of them. It's just where we're just so used right. to and like uh, <laughs> Alice wants to hand over the little power that they have over to the library because she's scared of that power yeah. and like that's true to life <laughs> you know there is a lot of power in just like joining together to do things just like simple like even just like on a, like a lower community basis so we see that with hedge witches like mm-hmm. At the end of the day, people end up yes. helping people, you know, one way or another. Yes, but it has to be in the right hand because in the wrong hand can mm-hmm, go sour. hundred like percent. Yeah, I would. I would like to see like a. I mean, like we see like some people who are doing like magic kind of like by themselves on Earth and like some scenes and stuff. But I'd like to see like a like a fun hedge witch mm-hmm. game, you know, like like a cute one that's not you know. Okay. Let's let's write a spin-off about hedge witches. Oh, I'm down. <laughs> I'm down. Okay. Okay, I'm gonna write uh, let's write to love and do that. Um, <laughs> but what what uh like we were talking about Zelda being a master manipulator. Alice is too because she wanna stop talking about the siphon and and stuff, so she bring cues. Oh my goodness, that scene I forgot how jarring that is because that's how that conversation ends. Like she like talks about a siphon or whatever, but then it's like, hey, just remember, your dad's gonna die. Like what? <laughs> and like, yeah, it, it, like it has uh, more weight coming from her because she lost her dad like right. eight episodes ago. But also, like, she <laughs> knows cute enough to know that this is his weakness. Yeah. 
So it's going to shut him up and she's going to be able to storm her yeah. off and have the she last She knows word. there's no retort to that no matter how much... Like, it's a, it is a really, really, really harsh dig. Like, <laughs> out of all the harsh digs, it's the harshest. Like, because I, I... I don't think that Q thought of it. And, like... If there were ways to bring it that were not that mm-hmm. slap in your face. And I think she was waiting for the moment to use it as a weapon against him. Yeah, it was definitely to hurt him. It was 100% to hurt him. Right after that, we go to Julia that is like exploring and listening mm-hmm. to the prayers. And Katie and um, Katie and Penny, 23, realize they need their help to find Reynard. And like they propose to her, and I like that the first thing they say is, "Yes, can't say no. I was in love with that. That was really important. I'm like, yay, people validating <laughs> each other's trauma. I almost feel like Penny 20, like that scene, that line, you can say no. I feel like that's like the only time anyone has actually offered Julia like an option, like an out. You know, because right now they're also kind of like scramble because they're like, oh, Julia still has magic. You know, like we got to use this and like figure out what this means and stuff. But like, and she like wants to too, but no one's offered her to be like, you don't have to right now. You know, like no one's offered. And I think that's the difference. Yeah, between mm-hmm. him and, and 40. It's the, I think Penny 23 is more acute of trauma of consequences. Probably because he oh, lost yeah. Julia 23, but like of like, uh, I'm gonna ask you to relieve your trauma. It's like, hey, would you want to please? Because that's yes, basically what's yes. happening it's to him such right a now. Terrible. Like, like it is. A, it is truly a terrible thing to ask. Like even having the idea, I was like, oof. Like when I first watched it, but it is a scary thing to ask. But it is handled like really well for what it is you know and even in the earlier scene i agree oh, with yes. you that penny i do think that penny 23 kind of like just gets it better about like other people's trauma and like especially how his friends are dealing with it like he might not but he he is he is that outsider but because he's an outsider he can really look at the situation like at it instead of looking like mm. within it you know because that's part of the perspective where everyone else is yeah. they were in it and that's why they're scrambling and freaking out he can really look at it and give these options because he even back in the earlier part of the episode when he's talking to katie in that room katie talks about how like it's not it's not about me it never really felt about me and penny offers this sort of like he's like listen you don't owe me anything you know like i don't like, I get it. You don't have to relive any of this. We don't have to do anything. You don't even have to talk to me if you don't want to. But if you could help me, that'd be great. You know? And so he, he is, he's always offering, we've seen him offer, like, these choices up. And it kind of opens up, like, the scheme of things. Because everyone else is so freaked out about, like, magic. Like, maybe being gone forever and stuff like that. And, like, trying to get it back and everything. And, like, Julia's new freaky god powers that they don't take the time to like really stop or heal for that matter. Yeah, that's a problem with character in those shows. They yeah. don't heal and then explode. <laughs> Every uh, season finale is like, <laughs> oh, more trauma. <laughs> um, and then they, they're going to go to the to meet Raynor and they, I love how they played with our expectation. Like we see the manner and even them are like, oh, 
that's kind of like sad. I wanted him to pay, but to realize that he's the it's a delivery guy, and it was like, <laughs> oh, they go back to the shitty apartment. <laughs> it looks like a dungeon. I, but then oh, the, I like, love it. It was really good. <laughs> yeah, and I it felt a bit cathartic of Julia like confronting mm-hmm. Reynard. Like, oh yes. my god, you go, girl. But. Uh, Reynardo explained that the monster were left. Well, he didn't name the monster, but he said the 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 thing that were created before us that yeah. didn't work. The mistakes between the monsters where we hide the mistakes. Yeah. So technically, the monster like uh, the monsters are the real oh, sibling of Reynardo. Yeah, they are like a nasty, distant cousin who you don't talk about anymore. Like. And, like, for them, I'm sure, like, watching season four is, like, really interesting, especially after, like, all of this buildup during season three. Um, because, like, once we do, like, learn about, like, the monsters and, like, the castle at the end of the world and the stuff like that, like, once we do kind of sort and figure that out, um, there is even sort of, like, a minority corner stuff there, you know? Because think about being born like you have, they have no choice in it like you are just bored like you know and you're born yeah. like this because someone wanted to try something you know or like as for them they're basically like weirdo experiments with magic you know and they just put yeah. they were failed experiments yeah. and so they just locked him up in a room and like tried to forget about him and make everyone else forget about him you know so i can't imagine like if they have like emotional and the cognitive ability that like we get to see and witness later on in season four, if they all are on some sort of like level of that or even lower, like that's still like really terrible, you know, it's like, there's no, there's no representation. There's no hope. There's no sense of getting out. There's just like that intense feeling of like being discarded, which I think really could resonate with a lot of minorities that like sometimes when you try to reflect back on things you are discarded or like in like different situations it like is it like it happens more readily for um people who don't have like necessary privileges i really really like what you're saying and i think i'm gonna have to track it down for season four of how this minority come into especially how the monster is behaving i I think it you you shed a light that I haven't seen. So, I want to watch season four again now. Um, but yeah, no, like I was just because I can't <laughs> like even like I feel like there is some sort of tie, especially discussing this with you now. There is some sort of tie that I see between being a minority and being lonely, like because yeah. we agreed that Penny Twenty Three is an outsider. He is not in. And therefore, there is a loneliness about him. There is a loneliness about the monster in season four. There is a loneliness that, like, Alice finds. There's a loneliness that Julia finds. Like, it is is very isolating sometimes to be in that sort of position, like, as a minority. But I do think that they kind of cover the idea of, like, helping each other and being there for each other and lifting each other up well 
that it's not like hyper focused on like oh well everything's bad you know <laughs> like it's not like you're and everything's bad <laughs> like it can it will it can always get better if people help you know and I think this season does a really yeah. good job of that <laughs> and and I, I I like what you're saying about loneliness and being tossed aside by the gods because basically that's what happened with Kranar. Yeah. He was tossed aside. Like he said that my mother left me for dead here and 80s gave me one bullet to kill himself. Yeah, it was, it was completely being, yeah. it's completely being discarded. And now like he, no, he doesn't have rights. And, and the fact that, the fact that 80s didn't, yeah, but the fact that 80s even think like, oh, nobody yeah. want to live like this. You know? And, um, you might not know that because you you not, not caught up. I'm like oh, back, a few right? episodes behind. I don't even remember how many. I haven't been in town. Okay, uh, but uh, it's just eighties. At will admit at some point that he doesn't know what happened when God died. But he was a and the fact that he was the fact that he's ready still to kill Raynard, not knowing what happened when God dies. Just show how like toss society was by like, I don't know what's after this, but I know it has to be better than you living like you do now. Oh. Or like or and if you disappear, well it's you know, like well shit. if you die you die. Sucks. Like <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, um, no, we don't we don't we don't have any love and, for him at all. And and what I like also is after all of that he doesn't die, uh, Julia and Katie realized because uh, Penny was like oh Katie you wanted this and Katie realized I she mm-hmm. never wanted him to die. Yes. She wanted him to she pay. Wanted and, he did. and that's the difference. Like there's the, the the revenge needs is so different between death and paying. Because from from like the beginning of season yes. two it was always we're gonna kill Reynard. And like I, and I like the art. I think Penny Twenty Three brought her to the. You don't need to kill her. Yeah, as that conversation, I think she kind of like reflected on that, like idea and that notion of like trying to find him. And she was like, "Hey, like mm-hmm. again." And he like uh, Penny Twenty Three coming out with the options. You know, he's like, "We could leave him, or yeah. you could kill him like you wanted to." You know. And it's not like he like has any benefit either way. He's just analyzing these situations that everyone's in and like trying to like work out with them, especially on something that is so like ingrained in their relationships with one another. And even just how Julia views herself, you know, like because of what happened with Reynard and like because of how hectic and everything is and like it's like literally a part of her now, you know? So I can't imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, uh, when she says that, like, that uh, line that's like, uh, your tiny spark has grown bigger in me than it ever could in you. Ugh, legend. Queen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Uh, and uh, the journey on, on Earth on this episode finished with uh, first the key replacing oh, Penny 40 oh, with Penny 23. A heartbreaker. <laughs> And, but I like how the keys have their mm-hmm. own journey. Like they bring yes. the quester where they need to be. And I like that the the key is like stop putting Penny as an outsider. Mm-hmm. He is He's now definitely part of the, the quest. 
earned his keep, especially with that last scene and the 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 previous scene before. 100%. Yeah. I like that. That is yeah. I like this idea of him being. This episode was him like proving that I can yeah. win the game. Uh, the only thing I I want to say is also about uh, the ending uh, that has nothing to do about minority, but my heart grow three size is when Kinta is popping up. Oh about my gosh! It is so beautiful. It is literally so beautiful. I forgot that this is the episode where that is. So rewatching it earlier um, today, my sobbing like <laughs> I, it's so sweet and heartfelt. Yep. And Jason Ralph does a phenomenal job of showing that like growth that we've seen from him because I feel yeah. like season one Q would have asked for permission if you get me I feel like he would have had like season one Q would have been like I can't do this to you mm-hmm. you know like no matter how many people cost all of magic I can't do this to you but now that Q has had the experiences that he's had he I think you being a dad, you understand also when it's time for your kid yeah. to grow up and you to die. Which is super heavy. It's ouch. So it's it's so heavy for him, especially because he never grew when he was growing up, he never saw himself living a full life. You know? He always just assumed no. eventually he'd kill himself or get killed. You know? And yeah. I yeah. <sighs> Oof. And it's just, it's, I feel like it did, it did give him that perspective where he's like, hey, this means something, you know, like the stuff that we're doing, it has to mean something where he says like, what if it does for not for this, you know, he wa- he had a son, he had a family, he, he watched someone he loved, died, buried him, you know, like he started off, it's just all this incredible, amazing, touching stuff has happened to him, and it has to be for something. So... But see, I, I, I like that the struggle he had and we see it in that scene is all about, it's not about what am I, am I doing the right thing or not is, I'm going to tell you I'm doing it and yeah. it hurts and I don't know what to tell you. That's a very, like, like it's not the same. Yeah. Like, like you were saying, like, he's not asking permission. He's just, it's just hard to find the right role of like, like this is just what has you. to happen. And his dad understands that too, which I think yeah. is really like he he knows, you know, like he, he could feel it. Like he knows. Yeah. So I think Quentin understood what kind of sacrifice need to be made, but know what kind of sacrifice are worth it. And yeah. which aren't. He has Oh. Oh my goodness, I could talk about Quentin literally all day. <laughs> We're gonna get at my feelings in a second. <laughs> no, but like he well, genuinely like shows like this Yeah. It is a very stark growth, and it's almost kind of like it is, it is just a very like sort of healing scene because I don't know you get to really see how everything has impacted him so far, you know, like just yeah. point blank how everything's yeah. impacted him so far, and then naming his son after his dad. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Um. Before oh, we cry, let's 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 rewind and go to Hillary, where basically uh, yeah. not a lot happened, but a lot happened. Uh, uh, where basically uh, it started with Taco Tuesday. Uh, Josh uh, and Ken coming with grocery, and then 
Dressing, uh, uh, they don't have Tuesday in, in Hillary, haha. Um, Taco Tuesday is a minority appropriation, everyone. Yeah. Okay, bye. <laughs> Dude, I thought about it. Like, he would say, you know what? Yeah, I got the tacos. And ugh. they were like, can we have anything else? And he was like, no. <laughs> no, you're having tacos. And and, and Margot is like, fine, I'm tired of eating pigeon. Um <laughs> But then uh, Fan and Elliot will be together. And Fan, I think, made Elliot realize for the first time that despite being in the gang, she's a minority in the gang. She's never yeah. fully, she's not a quester. And despite, like, I think the, the, the speech of you're stuck with me, I'm stuck with you, it's not about their marriage. It's about, like, you brought me in this life and yes, there's I no way I can that. go back. It's a bit like a it's a bit like Julia saying uh, to um, Quentin in season one, do you love magic? And like, can you n- live knowing that there's magic and you don't have it? It's the same thing. It's like, I know what I can be and there's no way I'm going back to be the uh, right. maker's daughter. So either like we make it happen and we're being friends and we're going to respect each other, but we're not going to pretend that like something's happening between us. Or like it continue to be like that, and I'm continue to be broken, and we don't we're not talking about our traumas. Yeah, no, Fen does like an awesome job of just like kind of making Elliot like acknowledge her like life, you know, <laughs> like because she has grown up here, like this is where she's been, especially in this episode of like them trying to like win o- back over Fillory. Like his mind is in like this like grand sort of headspace, mm-hmm. and he's talking about like. I can't go like you're right. I, I can't go back to doing any of that because it's so she's on, she's an outsider in the same way that Penny is 23 is the outsider where like you recognize these people, but they all have these shared experiences yeah. that you absolutely do not have, you know? And and that's the thing I've been, I, I entered the, the fandom when season two just ended and during the itis between two and three, I yelled at whoever wanted to hear me that Fen also was sold in marriage and also didn't have a saying and was told, you're going to make a baby. And then when this didn't happen, like that, like, oh, you're going to be a wife and then have a child. Yeah. This didn't happen. It broke her. And it, it took her like going back to earth and being like, seeing other people, uh, like helping other people to ill and I don't think she's always she's fully healed of that I don't think you yeah, can no. ever be healed from that but I think I think this moment of like her saying like look I've had shit too it's not just about you and my life was shit before you my life is shit now <laughs> but it's a shitty here and like for Finn it's big because Finn season two was not like that. She like one of the first things she says, "I'm your wife. I want to be yeah. obedient." And I think Elliot, like especially in this scene, needs that sort of like check, especially with her. Like at this point in time, he mm-hmm. needs that sort of mm-hmm. like check where like, "Hey, this is not just about you right now," you know. Um, mm-hmm. just because like he is kind of like talking about like you don't have to stay here with me you know and it's like it's not about staying here with you you know like fen has all of like at this point in time she has like all these intricate complex relationships like just about everyone else who works in fillery you know like margo yeah like she's not staying for for elliot yeah 
It's not about Elliot. It's never been about Elliot. That's just it's completely different for her now. Ah, oh, I love. Her. <laughs> yep. Uh, me too. The, the, I don't know if oh, people I know, know that. I follow I you on Twitter. Her. I know. Um, also, <laughs> <laughs> um, um, uh, then we go back and uh, we go and they are um, they go in the bar the hair on the ass, <laughs> which I I really like the the name and um, Frey talk about yes. belong, belonging oh nowhere. God. She's the minority within minority. And I feel that people, oh, um, I'm going to say that as a white person, so you can like slap me if it's not true, but it's like black people, white people. Yes, oh my God, I literally have in my notes, actually, I was like, afraid of the Okay, I'm yeah. not racist. Okay. <laughs> yes, no, I have in my notes, literally, I was like, Frey doesn't fit anywhere as she's essentially mixed because I'm mixed. Like my mom is mixed and mm -hmm. my dad is black. So I'm like basically like three, four is black if you want to count numbers, but like I'm not white passing at all. So it doesn't matter. But like, mm -hmm. um, she was raised with fairies who hate humans. So she's too human to be like Faye and she's too Faye to be normal, you know? So yeah. she's always, like she is forged in this gray zone where no one knows what to do with her you know like even elliot and margo like well she like like and Finn are like shit well, well we're not your real parents we're not responsible for you and also you're kind of like a spy earlier so like you know <laughs> like what are we supposed to do with it like it, and she can't go see the fucking fairy queen because homegirl was like i'm going to kill you next time i see you so you know <laughs> but that yeah that's the thing like Frey was so sure that like if I behave, I'm gonna be like one of you. And I think it's also like people that are in a community, they don't belong and try to be yes. like the community. And at the end, like the leaders say, you never want one. Yeah, it just it just it ends up just, making like uh, resentment, and you see it all the time. Like people, like there is like always trying to get like this in, like just to fit in anywhere. You know, like no matter how uncomfortable or strange it might be, like they're always trying to like people are always trying to get like in, and it's again I think like tied to that idea of loneliness. Well, it's like oh, well, if I don't go here, where will I go? You know. And speaking of loneliness, like she's like I'm not alone, and I really like this affirmation of like. I might have been like ostracized, but I found someone, yeah. you know, and I, I really like this. Like, uh, but also she put herself in a tight spot because even now in the human world, she chose a path that is not easy. That is taboo. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess it's, so it wasn't ever going to be easy for her from jump, but sometimes things just add up. <laughs> so now you're right. There is, yeah, it's, exactly. it, it's still a difficult situation for her because her whole relationship that she's found solace in is considered taboo. So like, there's like, it is still something that she would have to work through. But I think that the, the rest of the events, in the episode kind of help like alleviate that potential idea of stress, but that's still like super real for people who like live in like the current age where like stuff just seems to stack, you know, where it's like, well, like yeah. oh well you grew up like this but as long as you don't do this you'll be fine like like um like, like but what, if people, I what if i do do this <laughs> exactly and um also uh like this whole thing with free and umbrellum umbrellum is asking parental <sighs> approval and if i haven't seen something like that in more in film about like 
uh, black and white lovers in the 1980s. I don't know what I've seen. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wouldn't. Like the biggest thing. Like, you have to like seek out like the as if you don't get the parents permission you might as well not date like literally like especially like older ones it was like so, it was like it was like a chivalry thing but also like a good graces sort of thing because you had to instill some sort of like trust and it's like really funny especially because Elliot is not Frey's real dad <laughs> and it's like, but that's the thing and then like she acknowledged it but she's like look he needs a parental mm-hmm. approval can you be that and Elliot is like yeah okay knowing that like it's not about who's the parental figure is the person that you consider as your father will they yeah. be okay with it it's about who am I affecting these people's lives you know like that sort of exactly energy which is like and like I love Elliot's line it's just so funny he's like I'm so happy you're dating a bear it's so cute. So I'm gonna be my uh, my uh, white French ass here, and I didn't know if there was a thing. Oh no! <laughs> so I had to ask my husband, who basically laughed at me for thirty minutes after that. At least you didn't like Google it or something. <laughs> I might have. <laughs> oh my gosh it's like that i think it's like a from it's always sunny which i don't watch so i don't want people on twitter to at me about it i don't watch it but there's like a scene on love it's always sunny where they're like going through um what a twink is what a bear is an otter a power bottle oh i love that okay but yeah no that seems super cute and then here humble drums little thanks praise dad it's just it's like really um heartwarming but like no 100 percent that um idea of asking and like the chivalry mention and even the talking bear stuff you know what actually gay rights like <laughs> yeah no yeah. like that whole and then like tying into like elliot's like sexuality and stuff like they do try to have like the minority stuff is like in here like um because i'm sure that like like rings true like i'm at like i do recall how long it was before like gay people could get married you know like it's yeah. still like it's not like it was it's not like super crazy recent it's only like what like it's five years ago that it was legalized in the, in US? the u.s yeah, yeah. Uh, canada has been a bit longer Work. but yeah <laughs> <laughs> um yeah and then uh, uh they meet um the yes. fairy queen and i adore this scene because they all pretend they have power none of them have <laughs> Because the fairy queen has the power with the key, but mm-hmm. not really. Because basically she was the key to hide. Margaret and Elliot have uh, the power with their offer. And like, uh, 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 but they don't have the crown. And free offering knowledge to them is like a black servant of, uh, uh, offering like p- tips on their rich mm-hmm. white people in the South during like revolution. Yeah, it's like super insider type stuff especially because like I'm, the, the the fairy queen like dismissed her so much as nothing that she talked about important stuff in front of her thinking like oh she won't repeat that who she's gonna repeat it to yeah you know like that's how black people were, were seen they were seen as uh yeah like objects, objects in the room which and... is like super crazy but also like of uh, it was like the how they a lot of slaves ended up escaping so work like we made it happen yeah <laughs> I just like this idea of like they are all valuing to get 
back to their position of power by pretending they have it. And I feel like that is also something you see like in real life a lot. Is like a hundred percent of the time. <laughs> every I feel like a lot more everyone's bluffing way more than you think they're bluffing, you know? Like and we don't get to point it out as often because like we're like typically like you're from like a lower like middle class standpoint or whatever, but like the people you see on Twitter, like they're bluffing. Like everyone's bluffing. <laughs> no no one actually knows what's supposed yeah. to be going on. And I think of this scene, this yeah. scene does like um as when it comes to thinking about like the fairies and how the fairies work. I think Fen's the one who says like because no, uh, uh, like because like at this point in time we know about like the bone crushing stuff which is like super gross yeah but um Fen's like yep. well not all humans are like that we aren't which is like the widest thing I've ever heard I love it <laughs> I love it. it is such a white girl moment like <laughs> she's like well, that'd be like me complaining about someone having bit like come like me talking about real life slavery and then someone being like well not all white people did that um what yep. <laughs> like i know but also that's not the discussion you know we're discussing about it's not the point, point. Like, here's what has actually really happened like the fairies are oppressed yep they were abused for existing. They were hunted, considered animalistic or like tricksters or like horrors and like, but they're literally, they're none of that. Like, but it's, they're like, they're magic, you know? Like at the end of the day, like they, they have magic innately and they're these wonderful, fantastical creatures that are physically weak, you know? Like their population is dying. Gonna... It's like crazy for them. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna be super <laughs> white here, and uh, just extrapolate to the fact that uh, if we compare the fairies to a black or um, a, 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 a yes. population of color versus white people, um, there's yes the like yes there's the fact that um, white people oppress them, but there's also the fact that the oppressed resent people that it's like generations mm. now and things have changed like Fen, i think that's what fen wanted to say was like we changed yeah. now like we don't especially do like, and like now because the very queen watches them like she knows how they act she she would know if they had any part in anything like that and like plus like they tried to like help her you know like so she knows and recognizes yeah that they aren't like that and not all humans are like that obviously but but she she owed to her mm -hmm. grudge and i just i i never want to silence black voices or like uh people right. of color's voices but also saying like uh not acknowledging that time has changed can be detrimental to the growth of both and the healing absolutely of both i agree sides. with that 100 percent. because i think i think that it's important to acknowledge what has happened and there's because of the intensity like in real life because of the intensity of the stuff that has happened and the complexity it has given for generations and generations and generations of people i think like 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 and I'm, like we are we don't have the slave trade in america you know like it's not the same exact stuff that it was you know but there is still like this kind of 
like weird sort of energy when you even talk about it because of how complex the history of it is. And I think it's important to acknowledge. I think it's important to learn from. And I think it's important to forget. Not, like not necessarily yes. like for like I'm not gonna go like be like oh well Thomas Jefferson was all right actually because he even though he had slaves but like no like I'm not gonna go do all that but I'm also not I'm not gonna fault your children and fault or fault your children's children for stuff that you did you know it, it, it's funny uh, the the actor that played the um, Jefferson in the the original cast of Hamilton was saying like, as a black person, I had to come with the fact that Jefferson did this amazing stuff, but he's also an asset. Yes, yes, 100%. (laughs) Like, yeah, he wrote all this stuff. He was like super into like, you know, creating the way that we have America now and stuff like that. But also, oh my God. Like, Like it doesn't like, him having slings doesn't dismiss what he did great, but he tanked it. And that's that's the that's the reality for a lot of like people who we attribute to. It's like you have a that could t- I can name you a whole bunch of people who are fantastic actors or creators or designers or like activists or even just like big names, you know, just like homebrew names. I can name you a bunch of people, and they'll still be like racist or sexist or something, you know. But like. Mm-hmm you can't like it's and it's not that doesn't like discredit what good they have done but you do have to acknowledge that darker stuff about people and about yeah like i think that acknowledging it is erasing the past but yeah i i yeah um this conversation yes i knew this had to get heavy at some point Um, but uh, if we go back to the story, then um, basically they're talking about doing a vote. Um, I, a side I love that uh, Rafe called uh, "Take Your Grumpiness," um, and then uh, Margot did, said this amazing quote of uh, "Giving people shit is easy, taking it yes. away is almost." She's impossible. so clever. Like she's literally just so clever. Like if you want change, make change, and she did it. She was like, we're having an election, you know, like she's always been yeah, and, so better. And the thing is, uh, after that, Elliot was going to say like, oh, we're, we're not going to put you on the ballot because we want to play safe. And I'm going to be political here for two minutes, people. Right now we are the 17th of March. So things that might have changed by the time uh, it's going to be released. But right now it's Biden mm-hmm. versus Sanders. And this is this <laughs> fucking debate all over again. Are we taking like the more bold approach that want to have social reform or are we going to yeah. play safe? That's why I think Warren was out of the race. And this idea of like, we're not going to put you on the ballot because we want to be safe and beat Trump. Oh my God. When I saw that in the magician, I screamed yesterday. <laughs> that whole conversation is so, in, it is it's incredible because Elliot is spewing the same exact stuff that we hear now because he's like, listen, it's been a, it, like, we are getting them to the 20th century. They're not ready for this. And it's like, it's not about what the people are ready for, you know, like it's not like, that's not because if you, if you keep doing that and keep playing like, Oh, well, here's what they're comfortable with. You know, you're going to keep having 
um, kings who they get bored of and overthrow. You know, like it's just gonna and minority like nothing will change. Like if you don't change anything, it won't change. It's not how anything works. And so Elliot falling into this like sexism flex where he's like, well, yeah, well, it's so weird, but like it has to happen. and then it's gonna be proven that he's a bad politician because he's going, he goes into it, into the, the election saying like, oh, just promise shit, people won't, um, won't, won't remember. I'm sorry, that's a direct quote oh from God, Trump. Yeah, no. And yes, and, and Margot is like, Margot does value what she says as a high queen because people always have doubted her as a woman. And I think that's the difference be- be- between someone that, was given per and someone that yeah. earned it. Because he, like, it's just what happened. He was born to that right, and so he was going to try to do his best. Margot chose to stay and do that, and so all of the work that she does is work that she put in and wants to do. She cares about failure because she basically made herself care, you know? So, like, it's, it's like, it is... Um, like she was really on that grind, especially, and it's just I can't imagine how hurtful yeah. it must be to hear stuff like that, especially because of how much she's sacrificed up until this point for Fillory. Yeah, you know, like or just for like just like for what's been going on like in her life, like how many sacrifices, how like busy and terrible mm-hmm. everything's been. Like they were going to throw them over yeah. a waterfall, like. <laughs> Like it's it's been terrible, but like, and she she's right that if they don't like acknowledge the issue of just having a king to have a king, you know, if they don't do something about that, then they're just gonna keep going and like keep having this weird misrepresentation of women and fillery, and they're just gonna keep acting like sex like nothing will change if they don't change it right now when they have an opportunity to change it. And Elliot doesn't feel like that at that point. And then mm-hmm. you're right. We do get to see Elliot just be a bad politician while promising these people who they're supposed to be helping all of this stuff that he knows for a fact, even with magic, we cannot do, you know? But, like, it just reminds me of, like, in real life now where I hear, like, oh, well, you're going to you're gonna erase all debt forever. You're going to erase my whole debt. You're going to you're gonna raise the minimum wage to $15, $17, you know? It just sounds like far-fetched stuff that hasn't happened but they talk about it every election year you know and so it's like almost Mm -hmm. i can't imagine like it's like this weird mix of like hopeful and disheartening because like you want that stuff to happen like as a florian or whatever all that stuff sounds fire you know like it sounds i would love to have 10 bags of grain every year or whatever they're going to do for every citizen whatever elliot said he was going to do i'd love to have it but like and this reality, I know for a fact that, like, it is not going to be the way that they, like, pitch it, you know? They're only pitching it that way to get my interest and to get my vote. And that's what he does, so it's kind of nasty. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I kind of, I wrote a question in my book, and I think I just found the answer. Um, I was wondering why Elle was acting like that, because that's really yeah. season one, Elliot. It is. And, but, like, mm-hmm. Post post uh, mosaic, we know Elliot is not like that, and I think he went to his past self because it worked in in, in Brickville. He became yeah. the king of Brickville. So I think Elliot went there because 
oh, it worked once. Why wouldn't it work again? Not acknowledging that things are different. You're in another, you're in another political context. You're in another world. You're in another like, you're another person. You have another kind right. of power. It's like a whole different ball game. That, then it's not you running like for student council president. You know, like it's not that same thing. But I think that he did revert. Yeah. But and I, yeah, and I think we see really how Elliot grew when. When Margot wins, oh. he doesn't pick a fuss, but he's the first yes. one to see Long May Ring. You're like, okay, Elliot grew up. Because he would have been bitching oh, about yeah. it. Oh, yeah. He would have, it would have been another reason to drink. Truly. Like, if we want to be real about yeah. it, it would have been another reason to drink. Like, oh, well, yeah. I can't even get Fillory to care for me. You know, like, no matter what I offer, it's not enough. You know, I feel like they would have spun it that it's, way. It goes back to fencing. Yeah, I think it goes back to fencing. Yeah. It's not. I think he, I think he really takes that, um, like that talk with Fen, the stuff with Q. I think that he really like takes all that stuff and reflects on it and learns from it. That and like even like his relationship with Margot, you know, because like they've always been like together, but there is some sort of like selfishness and their togetherness. It's very strange. <laughs> it's like a really good relationship. Yeah, no, it's like, like they, they are, and like a good, good, like a good example, I guess, of Elliot and Mario specifically, and Elliot in their own specific kind of selfish ways is like the first season where they're trying to do that mentor thing. I think it's the same episode as the Welters episode. Yeah, the mentor thing yes. where they're both trying to get the mentor, but also like for the time being, until one of us gets the mentor, fuck you. Like, they easily could have done that in this, like, situation, but I'm so glad they didn't, because you actually get to see what we were talking about with that growth with Elliot and his character. And, like, we were talking about Margot being this person that value her word, and what is the first thing she does after being crowned? She gives sanctuary to the fairies like she promised. And I think that just shows what kind of person and leader Margot became. Because Margot season one and maybe start of season two before the war was the kind of person that talks sh- a lot of shit. That doesn't do a lot. Like, yeah. Whatever the consequences. Like... And I I think like she almost lost Elliot and she like got first married and stuff. And she be- betrayed Fen because of that. Like... There are all these big things that now she like, okay, when I am promising something, it has to be real. Yeah. She's like, no more of this fake stuff. Like, I think a good, great part of yeah. Margot's journey is that she learns how to be honest. And then in season, yeah. even in like, the, I remember, especially in like seasons um, four and five, she tries to extract that honesty out of her friends because she realizes is hey mm-hmm. like we have not had time to deal with any of this stuff but the least we can do is be like honest with each other about when stuff is going wrong you know because that's and i think she won't i think she's not able until she has the adventure in the oh yes oh my goodness oh my gosh i could talk about mm-hmm. that <laughs> would y'all cover season four go ahead and hit me up that episode as well <laughs> Oh. <laughs> perfect yeah no but um 
Yes, no, she does. And it's not like a like a one eighty or anything, you know, because I feel like with Elliot's case, it's kind of a one eighty of him going from being like this selfish kind of person we see in season one who has all these different problems that he can't necessarily cope with in like a healthy fashion to this Elliot that we see in season three who has lived this full life with someone he like loved who has done all these things who has like been trying to apply himself to do something spectacular but it's not necessarily working out but he still wants to try which is that difference between him and him and his past is that now he wants to try so I just my mind said sad, sad thinking of of this, but we know that at the moment we what well, we learned in season four that um, Elliot Quentin wanted to be with Elliot yeah. in the real time, and Elliot refused and said, "When I'm yeah. afraid, I run away." And he didn't run away yeah. from Marvel being a And I think that smile is like that. The, the smile he gave is that like I'm not running away from. It was- Yes, I'm, I'm going to be, be here with her. You know? We're going, like, he's, like, it's a... I, I cannot undo what I did to Quentin. Yes, oh my him. goodness. Like, he can actually be there for somebody, you know? Like, and I think that that's important for him, especially even to make that up mm-hmm. for himself, because we understand that that's, like, his biggest regret. Like, straight up, it's his biggest regret. Oh my god, the episode's killer. <laughs> I'm gonna (laughs) die of feelings! Now it's time to go to a portion of the show called Lecture Divina! Um, As you have not listened to season two, you don't know yet what it is. So basically, Lectio Divina is a sacred practice that we use to read religious texts and uh, to find meaning out of it. Uh, Harry Potter and the Sacred Text, the podcast, uh, used this and reshaped it to uh, to find meaning in the text of Harry Potter. And with their help, we're doing it with the, oh, the cool. script of the show. So, so Lecture Divina has four steps, and we're going to go through with it together. Uh, through one sentence that I pick at random in the script of okay, uh, okay. 312. So the first step is, is we're gonna I'm going to read the, the sentence, and we're going to find what it means. Second step is an allegory, so what story it reminds you of. Third step is uh, what it reminds you in your life. And fourth step is what you feel called for. Okay, so what gotcha. deeper meaning do you find? So uh, first step, I'm going to find a, a sentence. Uh, no, that's just one word. Open that door and see what happened. Open that door and see what happened. So first steps, what is literally happening? It's okay because <laughs> I had to read before. I had to read before and after to be. Uh, it's basically Renard that taunts uh, Julia to go open the door at the. Uh, in the oh, house. okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. And then the tea kettle shrills and he tries to kill her. So he say, "Open that door and see what happens." Second step. What does it remind you? A story that it reminds you. See what happens. Hmm. I don't know. That feels kind of like horror movie ish to me. <laughs> like it just, it just, it just sounds kind of like sinister. Open that door and see what happens. Like I feel like, I mean, like it sounds almost like a bad truth or dare game. Like I, like it sounds like a little sinister. I wonder 
I don't know if that's, I don't wonder if that's why my immediate connotations to it. <laughs> no, I like that. I like that you went or. I like it doesn't have to be specific, but it's an or trope of like right, right, right. And the like, door, like, like this very slowly opening it, like slowly clean. Oh, that's what I feel like when I hear that. Open that door and see what happens. <laughs> It's funny because I went really another way and I was thinking of uh, Bilbo Baggins in Bil- uh, oh, yeah, Bilbo Oh, yeah, just like for his adventure. Open his door. Yeah, he opened the door to Gandalf and that's what led him to this freaking adventure with the ring and with the dwarves and stuff. But if that didn't open the door and kept to himself and just ate, exactly. none of that would have happened. I'm just gonna make like tea or something. <laughs> no. So third step, what does it remind you in your life? Uh, open that door and see what happens. Now I'm good. I, I'm good at. Uh, I'm good at being scared of change. I get that. I'd rather know the door that I know and keep those yeah, I don't know. I can close. definitely get that. I. <laughs> Um, yeah, I would say that, like, the door, like, what it reminds me of, like, I agree with you, is, like, opera, like, even maybe, like, opportunities, like, it is kind of scary to make, like, leaps mm-hmm. to really open up that door and, like, open up things for yourself, just because it's unknowable, like, it's 100% unknowable. Is the Schrodinger huh? cat? Oh, yes! The Schrodinger yes. cat? It's, uh... <laughs> The philosophy of uh, you don't know if a cat is alive or dead until you look in the box, but kind of thing. Yeah, it's no, but that, that, that's like but you won't know until you do it. Like, you know, and that's always like horrifying. Like, I totally get like not being comfortable with change, especially because like. As like as someone who has like anxiety, I can think of all the different stuff that could be behind the door. <laughs> Preach! Like, I know it's behind the door, you know, and I know what you know. So it's just like that sort of like dealing with that is even harder because it's like I feel like like the best way to describe that is like the door is locked, <laughs> and you have to, in order to even get near it, you have to unlock yeah. it and then try to open it, you know. So and. Uh... Uh, fourth step is what does it I feel called for and in um I'm going deep here but in Frozen we were talking about Frozen (laughs) earlier um there's this song called Into the Unknown and basically it starts with Elsa saying like uh if I hear you which I don't uh and like she's trying to close the door but the more she talks about it the more she gets excited and at the end she want to go into the unknown and that's something that happens a lot to me. Like at first I'm like really like scared, but the more I look into it and the more I know what could it, uh, happen, I get excited and then I want to open the door. And I think I want to continue in that vibe of like, not overthinking what's behind the door, but also being what? aware it could be a monster. Yeah, I like, cause it's, I, I love how you brought up that song actually, cause now I'm thinking about like, you know what, she's right. like. So, especially, like, in that, in, like, the, near, like, the end of that song, where she's, like, are you out there? Do you know me? Like, ah, mm. okay. Let's put a, let's put an audio clip right here. Okay, done. 
Someone like tweeted about it before the movie had even come out, and I was like, "What's going on? Like, why do I? I, I <laughs> like, why am I wrestling with this so hard right now?" And I think it's because of that idea of opening the door, and like, because she has to, you know, like we all end up having to at like one point or another, like opening the door, taking the leaps, taking a step outside, like. And if we think about more or less go deeper in the frozen analysis, there's a there's a song called Do You Wanna Be a Snowman where Elsa is literally behind mm-hmm. a door. Box yourself in. Elsa, please, I know you're in there. People are asking where you've been. They say have courage, and I'm trying to. I'm right out here for you. Just let me in. We only I'm blocking herself from her sister not to hurt her and being scared of herself. And it's, it's when she opened the door and opened the door to the castle that things happen right. and she become what she is. So there's, there's also this idea of like, yes, there is an appeal to adventure, but also if you always stay behind the door, yeah. there's a danger to that. Because you got like, you have, when go. you open the door, it opens the, it opens up relationships it opens up how you see yourself you know like it opens up how the world interacts with you because you've interacted with it in a different way that you wouldn't have before you know so i think it i think the only Mm -hmm. way that a lot of people can like grow and like learn truly is to take those sort of risks that are scary and to make those sort of changes that are frightening and it's really difficult, especially yeah. as we were saying, anxiety gang, you know? <laughs> but, yes. so, like, we have to, like, there is that you do have to, like, buckle down, and, like, there are times that call for you to just fling it open, you know? Just see what's behind there. Even if it is a monster. Love is an open door. <laughs> Here you go. Love is an open door. I'm having a feeling about the magician and Frozen. <laughs> What's happening? But I'm like really glad we did. <laughs> and uh, before we finish, let's go with uh, the flower and the vase, which uh, is an expression my grandma used to say, uh, saying "Don't give back and then compliments," such as "You seem oh well God. for a black person." <laughs> oh my God! You pretty eyes for an ugly person. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Exactly. So, um, <laughs> so uh, you don't give the flower, which is the compliment, and the vase, which is the backhanded. Um, so, what we are going to do? We're going to give a flower to a character we, th- we think did good and deserve deserve a kudo, and a vase to a character who needs a thumbs down because key. And do you um, want to start? Do you want me to start? I want you to start because I started the other thing. <laughs> I think I'm gonna give my flower to Julia to use the, her power the way she did. Uh, she could have either ordered it or used it against Quentin because, like, ah, look, I have magic, I have magic, you don't. It's like the contrary of season one, but she didn't, and instead she went to heal people and revive literally a species. So, like, you go, Julia. Uh, I think you would have been an amazing goddess. And 
I'm gonna give my vase to Elliot for being that kind of politician. He gives the sexist speech and then promptly showcases why we can't trust politicians. You, sir, are the reason we Literally. need a woman oh my in goodness. the government. Okay, so... Um... <laughs> I literally agree with your picks, <laughs> but I'm gonna. What I'm gonna do? I'm gonna do my my second ones basically. <laughs> okay, so okay. Today we're gonna give the flower of the rose to Quentin, just because of he like really stepped like we were talking about earlier. He like stepped up and stepped in, especially at the beginning when the end of this episode, like the bookends part of this yeah. episode, where he started like acting smart and was like hey, I need you to follow Alice, actually, because I don't trust her, I don't trust the library, but I want I want it to this to work out as much as it can, which is, like, a really mature way to handle that situation, yeah. especially considering how terrible, like, all of this stuff has been lately for him, you know? And to still yeah. be, like, yeah. that, like, I guess, like, bigger sort of person and see that bigger picture is, like, really like it's like a lot of growth for him and then for the speech for his conversation with his dad at the end that like beautiful gorgeous discussion where he talks about the magic he talks about fillery he talks about all the stuff that he's led and his dad is like well if all that's out there why are you like what are you doing here you know and he's like i'm like i just need to tell you you know and like i feel like that uh, mm-hmm. He gets he gets a little bow. He gets a little bravo from me on that one. And then my vase. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Maybe my vase should just go to Elliot. Elliot kind of ate it this episode. <laughs> like, that was, yeah, yeah, I have like, a double vase today. Like, Alice wasn't really, like, Alice and Zelda were doing shady stuff, but it was just for that one scene. The fact that all of Elliot's scenes in this particular episode are him being a bad politician. <laughs> He might get the double vase today. Yeah. He might have to have it. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Finn, for uh for joining me and having this amazing talk. I think uh I couldn't have a better guest for this episode. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> when you sent me the theme, I was so I was like struck. I was like, oh my god, it's meant to be, you know. Uh, is, but, is there um, anything you want to plug? Where can people follow you? Do you have any projects? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um I have my Instagram, which is Coke Slushy. Um slushy spelled like S-L-U-S-H-I-E. You can follow me on Twitter at Mr. Kaiju Blue, like from Pacific Rim. Nice. <laughs> and <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. And I, you can also follow me on Tumblr if that's your thing at Storm Trope, as Storm and then Trope, T R O P E. Amazing. Um, thank you very much, very much, very much for coming. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. Like, I literally have not had this much fun in probably all year. Like, it's like been really, really cool. I'm super excited for everything to go up. And for everything to go down in the magicians. Yes, and uh, we're coming back for season four, that's for sure. Absolutely. Oh, I'm excited, 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 excited. <laughs>